Hi, I'm Chris McBrien, a Gen Xer, and the pop culture from my generation is awesome. And I'm Yance Eaton, a millennial, and the pop culture from my generation is dope. Episode 72, The Best Guitar Solos. Hey, Chris McBride here, along with Yancey Eaton, it's Pop Goes Your World. Yancey. What's new in your world, my friend? What's new in my world? Yes. Um, not a whole lot. I just finished reading uh, a book by Chuck Closerman. Uh, it's like Fargo. Like I can't even remember the exact title. I just finished it, which is kind of bad that I don't remember the title. But it's it's talking all about uh, rock in the 80s and 90s, like the metal scene and you know bands like oh, Guns cool. N' Roses. And oh, yeah. That, yeah, Motley Crue and whatnot. It's a really interesting book. Um, it ties in very nicely with what we're going to talk about as far as the show tonight. Um, it's just a lot to process. He's a really weird writer. This is the second book I've written by him or I've read by him. And uh, I don't know. I'm just. Do you ever get in like that that period where like when you finish reading a book, you, you you're almost like in a haze. You're just trying to process everything that you read, and there's almost like a certain mourning to it where um, you you're sad that you'll never be able to experience that book fresh for the first time. You mm-hmm. know, to come in at it new, but you're also like really proud of the fact that you did finish a book. Like, do you do you experience that, or is that something that's? Oh yeah, kind of I'm currently book? experiencing a bit of an uphill climb because I'm reading Lord of the Rings to my son. So uh, every night at bedtime, we go and read a bit more Lord of the Rings, and we're we're getting close to finishing Fellowship of the Ring. And I just remember from when I was a teenager, when I read those originally, um, mm-hmm. I just remember The Two Towers being like a massive uphill climb reading that book. Like, it was really difficult. So, mm-hmm. uh, so I'm going to be taking on that soon. But um, but a couple other things are going on that I just wanted to mention, if I may. Um, yeah, sure. As you know, I normally don't work on Saturdays, right? So uh, for those that don't know, like in my... In my spare time, I'm a professor at a college, right? So I normally don't work Saturdays, but this past Saturday, I had to work because we had an open house at the college because in addition to teaching in the program, I'm also the program coordinator. So I had to go in and we had an open house to this. So anyway, long story short, um, my wife says, you know, you had a lot. And then we had to go for a, a bit of a trip. You know, my wife and I and the kids, we went for a long drive and came back. So we get home on Saturday night and it's been a long day. I had to do a wide work. Mm-hmm. I had to do a lot of driving. So she says, you know what? Anything you want, we can watch whatever you want. We'll, we'll do something. We'll put the kids to bed and we'll watch whatever you want. So I, I, I made her watch an episode from season three of The Love Boat. <laughs> <laughs> because of course you did. <laughs> Anything at all. What am I going to watch? We're watching The Love Boat. So, I mean, I'm just oh, gosh. oh, my God. And on Tuesday night that's coming up, another big thing is going on. I'm going to see Ed Asner in a play. So I'm really, really excited about this. It's a one-man show that he's doing. And he's making one appearance in all of Canada. It, it is at my college in the theater. So I'm going to see him on Tuesday. So I'm very excited. Really, really, really good seats. So do you know who Ed Asner is? I do. To be honest with you, I thought he had died several years ago. Oh, man. I sure hope not or else my tickets are going to, you know, I'm going to have good seats for him. He nothing. was on Mary Tyler Moore, right? Yes, like, he was. He was yeah. Lou Grant on Mary Tyler Moore. As a millennial, you might know him better as the voice work went in the movie Up. He was like the old man. Oh, okay. But okay. Uh, yeah, he was uh, Lou Grant. So I'm really looking forward to this one man show. But uh, anyway, so that's about all that's going on. Our, now, this week, I think you should be pretty excited because I know that you're, as much as you know, you love movies and TV shows, and obviously we do this every week, but music has a special place in your heart. Does it not, Yancey? Uh, music, you know, outside of like the, you know, the stereotypical answer of like friends and family, like music is literally uh 
probably the most important thing in my life. I know that's really, really cheesy, but I've always been super like hypersensitive to music. Um, you know, I played all through middle, high school, college, uh, and I, you know, I, I played in rock bands and in jazz bands and orchestras and symphonies. And, you know, I competed individually and with groups and indoor and outdoor and marching band, like, uh, music's always been just at the absolute forefront of my life. My entire family was in band at one point, um, because uh, we went to a small school, uh, they had a middle school and a high school. And if you were good enough, they would let some of the middle schoolers perform with the high school marching band. So for one year, all of my siblings, my little sister, myself, my brother, and my sister, we were drum captain, guard captain, the drum major, and my brother played in the drum line with me, all four of us on the field at the same time, along with two cousins. So, uh, music's just, I don't know, like I get emotional talking about it. And I know this is like super cheese ball of me, but, um, I literally listen to music every single day. I have a set of wireless, you know, Bluetooth headphones. It's the one thing where I don't care if it makes me late to work. If I forget my headphones, I will go back for them. If I leave them at work, I'll go back for them. Anything like that. It's just, uh, music's just incredibly, incredibly important to me. I know you play an instrument as well. Oh yeah. Yeah. And now you, you play now you were always more of a percussionist. Is that correct? Or did you play multiple instruments? What all have you played? Um, um, I mostly play percussion. I can mm-hmm. play keyboard instruments. Um, actually, my best instruments, uh, the marimba, <laughs> which is kind of like a dorky thing to me. It's just it's basically like a gigantic wooden xylophone. Mm-hmm. Um, but same same theory. Um, I mean, I can play drum set, snare drum like you'd. I used to be really good. Obviously, I haven't played in years, but uh, very cool. Yeah, yeah, mostly percussion instruments and keyboard instruments. But um, I mean, I can play a little bit of a uh, you know baritone and stuff like that. But so this nothing be, this week right would be interesting. About. Like you, you don't you never play guitar though, right? Um, I tried playing guitar. My grandfather actually bought me an acoustic guitar, but uh, I play backwards. I play like the weird, you know, like inverted kind of thing. So it was almost impossible for me to learn like, by like left handed. You mean you play like like Jimi Hendrix left handed? Exactly. Just oh, it. Thank okay. You. Yes. So oh, you do know. Okay. Just yeah. like Hendrix. Yeah. Oh, um, cool. So so I started trying to play it, and I'm I'm one of those people where it takes me a little longer at first to learn something, and then once I do pick it up, I kind of become obsessed with it, and it you know it takes over my entire life kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I eventually did give up get playing the guitar. I, I I could play a couple of tunes. You know, of course, I could play. You know. Per, you know, uh, smoke on the water or something by oh yes, the three notes. You know, in the in the key of G. Make sure you remember that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, I play guitar as well, and I played guitar my whole life. I was in a band, you know, for years. And uh, so this week we decided what we would do is we're gonna run down our top five list of our favorite guitar solos of all time. So are you ready to get started? I'm ready. Let's make the distinction really quickly. We're not yes. saying that this is the 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 most famous or nope. the greatest. Nope. This is our favorite. Our favorites. It is it is important that we articulate that because there's going to be a lot of songs that would deserve to be on you know the pantheon of like the greatest guitar songs of all time. These are our personal favorites, so just keep that Absolutely. caveat in mind. Okay, let's go. The fish that saved Pittsburgh. My parents watched this with me and they hated it, like a lot of movies that I've already mentioned on the show. Break into Electric Boogaloo. Man, Eddie Murphy did some of the best impressions I've ever heard. Ever. Shabadoo and Boogaloo Shrimp. Chris. I've rewatched it as an adult. I still like it. This brassiere is killing me and this garter belt is riding up my ass. Oh my, my, my. What could possibly go wrong? My parents pieced out like halfway through it. I'm good, thanks. Yep, we're good. So as Yancey mentioned just before our little uh, drop right there, yes, that w- this week we're, we're doing our top five favorite guitar solos. But the important thing to remember is these are our personal favorites. And I think it's important to make that distinction, as Yancey, Yancey said, because for me, you know, some people call me, you know, textbook or say, like, I always have the chalk answers, you know, not this week. Trust me, because um, there's obviously all those, you know, famous songs like, you, you know, you mentioned there's the ones that everyone expects, like, you know, like Comfortably Numb and, you know, the Star Spangled Banner by Jimi Hendrix and Eruption and all that kind of stuff. But this week I'm coming at a, a different tact. 
I'm taking a different attack. These are ones that me personally, and each one has uh, a very special meaning to me, you know, because I just love these guitar solos and they've always stood out as my favorites. And you're going to go the same way. So let's start with you, Yancey. We'll start with number five, work our way up to number one. You kick us off your number five favorite guitar solo of all time. What it is it and why? Go. Okay. So also another quick caveat, and I know I'm super annoying about this, but uh, this is one of the the shows, I think, where we're going to see like a huge skewing towards uh, songs of your generation, Chris, simply yeah. because I think there is a... Um, There's not a lot of guitar music anymore, is there? Not not even just guitar music. It's a lot of electronic music right. that's like supplanted that. But the guitar solo as a whole, I think, is, is kind of like a time-capsuled lost art. It was yeah. a huge thing you know in the 60s and the 70s and the 80s and then it slowly started dying like towards the end of the 80s into the 90s you still had bands like i said like um you know like guns and roses and stuff that were famous for their um guitar solos but with like the alternative rock yeah once alternative came in yeah it kind of went away it it was almost deemed as like corny as like showy and and, like um you know it was just uh i i don't know It, it became like verbose for you to to have like extensive guitar solos so a lot of what you would see is just really cool riffs or like the chorus just has like you know really you know intricate power chords like a really you know catchy rhythm but you would not see just a full-on guitar solo so as such like that's kind of like a a thing that we don't see anymore but i i just felt like getting that out of my way it's not like i don't listen to music Mm. from today obviously but the guitar solo sadly is is kind of like gone by the wayside and i miss them i love guitars i agree good points okay so number five what do you got yes sorry no worries back in Okay, so number five for me came off of the uh, Band of Gypsies album from 1970. It is by Jimi Hendrix, and it is Machine Gun, uh, primarily the live recording. There's a couple that are floating around. Machine Gun is one of the most, like, haunting, beautiful uh, protest songs ever written. I mean, it's it's kind of jam-based, but it is... Uh, it is just so incredibly perfect. The way he's able to get the sounds out of a guitar to actually replicate, like you know, machine guns and, and like you, you literally feel like you're fighting in Vietnam. And, um, I, I like the very first time that he performed this, he actually talked about dedicating the song to soldiers. He talked about people that were fighting in Berkeley and then, you know, also the soldiers fighting in Vietnam. It's, uh, it, this Jimi Hendrix is obviously iconic and this song, you know, it's over 12 minutes. I think it's 12 and a half minutes long. This is one of those that spawned like this whole generation, I think of more, uh, like politically conscious, just socially conscious music. And, you know, this is just one guy on a stage with a guitar, but he literally ushered in just hundreds of thousands of people being more politically politically conscious at a time whenever it was still very, very much like taboo to be critical of the government. And, you know, to their credit, that generation, like they kind of broke that facade of, you know, you're not allowed to be critical. And anytime we're in war, you need to stand behind the president. You need to stand behind whatever war we're fighting because, um, you know, you're supporting the troops doesn't have to go hand in hand with being anti-war. You see what I'm saying? Like you can support the troops and still uh, not agree with all of the, you know, the different quarrels and stuff that we're getting with worldwide. But the song itself, like I said, uh, the sounds he's able to emanate, the fact that it is so long, but it's like piercingly beautiful and emotional Uh, machine gun for me. It could have been number one as a lot of these songs that we're going to talk about could be number one on any given day, but it's just a, an amazing, amazing guitar solo song. Um, so that's my number five, Machine Gun by Jimi Hendrix. So Jimi Hendrix, is surprisingly enough, is does not make my top five. And I know that before people start jumping down and going crazy, but again, going back to what we said before, these are top five personal favorites, and I'm going to explain right. each one and why they're important. But that being said, Jimi Hendrix is probably the greatest guitar player that ever lived. Like, he was phenomenal. But the thing is, when, when people think back to his guitar solos, a lot of people go to the Star Spangled Banner that he did at Woodstock. Mm-hmm. And, but my favorite guitar solo of Jimi Hendrix was always Hey Joe. 
I just, mm-hmm. it's so bluesy. Like, I, it just blows my mind away when I listen to him play that solo. I just, unbelievable. As I've often said before, and you know this better than anybody, you're a musician too, Yancey. It's not what you play, it's how you play it. Correct. No question. No question. Mm-hmm. You know, but uh, anyway, so my number five, this is a weird one. 1984. Okay. So back in the 70s, Deep Purple, you're aware of Deep Purple, right? And so Deep Purple was together back in the 70s and did some cool songs like Smoke on the Water that you learned how to play <laughs> and some very simple songs like that. But then they, they broke up, right? And they got back together in 1984 and they came out with a single and it's called Knock It At Your Back Door. Now, the lyrics in this song are just a joke. Right. I mean, you know, but the mu- <laughs> the music, because well, it's kind of, you know, about, you know, something uh, it's when you you use your imagination to guess what the this song is about. But and it is. But that so it's kind of a joke of a song. But the music in the song is not a joke. Not to me, especially guitar solo. I heard criticisms in the past about this guitar solo. And I think some people think it's it seems like it's maybe a little bit out of place with the rest of the song. But. Needless to say, I totally disagree with that. Like, I think the solo in this song is awesome. It's bluesy, bluesy as hell. Uh, mm-hmm. I think Richie Blackman was a much better live guitar player than he was a studio musician. So that was always the knock on him. So, but I think he was just an amazing guitar player. Um, one of the most underrated guitar players of, of his time, I believe. And he started out, like I say, with Deep Purple. Then he went on to Rainbow. And then Deep Purple reformed, like I say, for the Perfect Strangers album. But they, if you listen to this song, you might listen to the song and go, okay, this is just, it's kind of a joke, right? But when it gets mm-hmm. to guitar solo, some of the things he's doing in there, the blues, the bends, he's doing like a, like this pick rake and then the vibrato, it's phenomenal. So give it a listen. You can find it on YouTube. It's knocking at your back door by Deep Purple. That's my number five. Number four, Yancey, what do you got? Uh, so number four for me, uh, this is kind of a, this has become a punchline. It's, uh, people like to joke about this and make fun of like rednecks and hicks or whatever. But I'll give a little bit of the backstory to this. Um, I've mentioned in past episodes that growing up, my favorite band was Leonard Skinner. And that was solely because it was my dad's favorite band. Um, so there was always this this very, very visceral connection between my dad and myself by listening to Freebird. We would be in his, you know, F-250, his giant diesel truck, and we'd be just blasting Freebird or Queen or, you know, mostly classic rock, almost always classic rock. Um, but Leonard Skinner was the choice. And uh, Freebird, <laughs> like I said, I almost feel silly saying this, but um, I, I have to be transparent with you. I've probably listened to Freebird a thousand times in my entire life. Um, it's a long song. It came out on their debut album in 1973, and they actually released it multiple times on different albums and in different variations. Um, it's an absolute staple now. Like if you go to a classic rock concert, you'll see this covered um, just about as much as any classic rock song ever. Uh, it's a very, very popular um, like bar song. You'll see it in karaoke a lot. It's just a, uh, from a technical standpoint, I wouldn't say it is one of the most difficult. It's very repetitive. Um, the stanzas, like, uh, you know, lots of triplets, lots of, you know, eighth notes, 16th notes. As it progresses, it, it just keeps building and building and building and building. And once you think it's actually done, it just keeps pushing and pushing and pushing and driving. Um, there's just a lot of backstory that's attached to it. There's just a lot of just really strong, like poignant memories that I have with my dad and like my family listening to this song. And we we just thought it was so cool. We thought that this was the apex of what it meant to be a rock star, to be a musician, to, you know, to be able to play the guitar. Like this was it. This was our absolute Mount Rushmore, our gold standard for, you know, just guitar work. And I, I still think it's a cool song. Like I said, it's been maligned a little bit just by the general public. And uh, so be it. You know, I I got the chance to see Leonard Skinner or what was left of Leonard Skinner. Um, 
maybe in I think 2008 or 2009. Um, I lived in Gainesville for a little bit, and you know they're they're from the South, they're from Florida, and they performed there for um, at the University of Florida. And even still, with them not having Ronnie Van Zant, with them not having Alan Collins and several of the founding members, um, they still put on a, a fantastic show. They did play Freebird, but it was a much shorter version, and um, <laughs> it was still it was still Chris like a really really powerful song. And like I said. I'm well aware, I'm self-aware enough to know of, like, the stigma that's attached to Freebird or, you know, play Freebird. Like, I've heard that at every concert I've ever been to. It's just like a running joke, but I personally adore it. I think it's a fantastic song. I'm going to play it, you know, until I die. And uh, like I said, I'll always have that connection with my family just because of this song. So that's my number four is Freebird by Leonard Skinner. Very cool. I figured you'd bust it out because you have mentioned in the past how much you like that. Uh, you like Leonard Skinner, that mm-hmm. song in particular, and the connection that you have with your dad because he really got you yep. interested in that, you know, in that band and that song and stuff like that. But it's a great guitar solo. And then again, the mm-hmm. outro and some of it's very simple, but uh, Gary Rossi and Alan Collins, man, they, they kill it in that song. And it makes the top 10 you know, list of probably everybody's guitar solos for a reason. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And, uh, and so there's a reason why it's, it's the chalk pick. You know what I mean? Cause it's good. Yep. It's phenomenal. It's, it's got everything. It's Southern rock, rock countries in there. It's, oh, it's going. It's great. I think that's a good one. Um, I got to mention a couple honorable mentions before I get into mine too. Like, like a, um, Eddie Van Halen's eruption, you know, outstanding. I think anything, I think Freebird is, is definitely on my list of honorable mentions as well. And anything by Randy Rhodes. Randy Rhodes was so good. Man, oh man, was he a good guitar player with Ozzy. But, um, okay, my number four, um, this one's a little bit of a cheat, I'll say, because it's not just a guitar solo within a song. The whole song is a guitar solo. It's an instrumental. And it's the Cliffs of Dover by Eric Johnson. Eric, Eric Johnson, yeah. Eric Johnson had been doing the rounds <laughs> for years. You know, he'd been doing live shows and stuff, and he, he got quite a following, right? And then he put out Two albums, they didn't really do very much, you know, and then in 1990, he came out with Avia Musicom, and it had two really good instrumentals on it. One was Righteous, when it was, and the other one was Cliffs of Dover, and I believe it's one of the best, if not the best, guitar instrumental of all time. Like, it's just melodious, it's clean and sharp, it gets one of the catchiest instrumentals of all time, and um, Yancey, you millennials know it from uh, best from Guitar Hero 3, I believe. I, but, uh, I, I, I didn't want to say it, but yes, that was that was probably my first introduction to the song. It's, very cool. It's awesome. It is yeah, good, awesome. though, right? You know, like, it starts out with this crazy sustained note, and then it just goes into this, like, he goes into this freestyle guitar playing. It's all over the place. It's not even in proper time signature and then after he's done riffing for a whole bunch doing a bunch of scales and everything then he settles into a groove and kicks it into more traditional like 4-4 time and just really common signature and it just kicks butt man clips of dover my number four uh what do you got for number three Real quick, let me interject. Did you yes. mention at the show, or maybe I just wasn't paying attention, but you did let them know that you do play guitar, correct? Yes, I do. Yeah, I'm a guitar player. But yep. did you let them know this? Uh, yeah, I did. I think I mentioned at the top of the show. Yeah, I, okay. I play guitar years. I was in a band for a long, long time. And one of the cool things that we used to do in my band was uh, back when I was in high school, we would switch instruments uh, for, for each set. So we'd come out, we would do a set. I would play guitar. And we was a, it, was a, it was a trio, guitar, guitarist. We had a bass player who also played keyboards and a guy on drums. The next set, we'd all switch instruments. I'd jump on the drums. The next guy would go here. And then the next, the third set that we would do, I'd go on keyboards and bass. So, yeah. I knew this. I, you've told me this before. I just wanted to make sure that we got that out there into yep. the ether so that the audience kind of knew like where you were coming from as far as the background. So from a, from a musician's like technical prowess, like you, 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 you're coming with some guns to the gun show is basically what I'm saying. Like Chris can play several, several instruments and yep. that's pretty impressive. Yep. Yeah. No, I've always been uh, very musical, but the guitar is my main instrument. Yep. Cool. All right. Is it on to me? Uh, yeah, number three to you. What have you got? All right, number three for me uh, is from a weird band that has uh, 
they they endured some lineup changes, some name changes, uh, just lots of weird stuff. But always been one of the most out there bands, one of the most creative, weird, um, just really enjoyable and and completely original bands. Um, the the song that I want to do is. It's a, obviously it's a guitar solo, but it's more of, like you said, the entire song is basically kind of like Cliffs of Dover. The entire song is basically a <laughs> a solo. Um, and it's Maggot Brain by Funkadelic. Um, Funkadelic is one of my, I don't want to say guilty pleasures, because there's no shame in it, because they, they're, they're freaking awesome. Uh, Funkadelic, they came out with uh, Maggot Brain. It was their, th- their third studio album. It was released in July of 1971. The entire song, it starts out with just like some really weird uh, kind of cryptic, ambiguous, uh, just a couple lines of dialogue where he basically says, Mother Earth is pregnant for the third time. That's because y'all knocked her up. And uh, <laughs> it just proceeds to this really, really long, just beautiful, just like piercingly bluesy guitar solo that lasts for exactly 10 minutes and 23 seconds, which I think is kind of interesting because my first niece's birthday is October 23rd. It's just kind of something that when I when I first realized that I kind of I don't know if you've noticed this, Chris. I like to make really personal connections to things that have absolutely nothing to me. They have nothing to do with me whatsoever. Um, that's kind of how I do this. I like to tie things to like family and memories and stuff. But sure. um, Maggot Brain is it's just a, a I don't want to say political song. It's not it doesn't really address anything in particular. Um, like a lot of their songs and a lot of their themes, it is completely out there. And you'd see that a lot with a lot of the, the you know the funk and a lot of psychedelic rock that you'd see there. Uh, during that time period, uh, a lot of things are left up for interpretation, and it may have made sense to the writers and the the band at the time. Um, but even to them, like if you listen to like some interviews that he's done before, like he literally talks about like most of his songs don't really have a meaning. It's up like once he puts them out there, it's up for the audience to kind of decide and 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 distort it and make it mean what it wants to. But from a from a sheer just absolute shred you know shredding factor like this is the one of the songs that you want to see this is like this is the type of guitar solo that would win a, a guitar center competition kind of thing you know just all out there all over the place he has tons of range up and down it i mean it's he's not relying on any type of like your normal like crutches for transitions that you would see a lot of times with guitar solos like slides or um you know just like just mashing of the, the you know like power chords and stuff like um I, I wish i could articulate it better but it is the entire album actually maggot brain is Probably one of the greatest psychedelic rock albums of all time. I would put it on the Mount Rushmore. I mean, it's up there with the best of the best. Um, end to end, it is just an absolutely just wonderful, wonderful piece of music and the guitar work. Um, you know, a, a lot of their other stuff was very, very funkish and they kind of they weren't as guitar heavy. Um, but it, it, it's kind of like Prince, where you don't realize just how talented they are and how much they're capable of doing with their instrument until you see a song like this. And that's why I love Maggot Brain is it really highlighted like who they were as a band and just, man, it was just incredible. So like, if you guys get a chance, listen to Maggot Brain, the album in its entirety, but at least give the entire song a chance. Don't just listen to, you know, the, you know, the, the featured parts of the solo, give the entire track a listen from top to end, and I, I promise you, you'll fall completely up with it. So Maggot Brain by Funkadelic is my number three. There you go, George Clinton, right? Oh, man, he was awesome. And he kind of had a rebirth in the 90s with, like, getting sampled on, like, Snoop and Tupac and yep. Ice Cube. And guys like that. Oh, yeah, he was great. Yep, okay, sure. my, my number three is very, very personal. This is a song that I can pretty much guarantee nobody has ever heard of before. But... I think if you go and listen to it, you might know what I'm talking about. So I'm going to go back to 1994, okay? At the time, I was absolutely obsessed with Conan O'Brien because he was like the new late-night talk show host. He just took over for David Letterman, right? And I would watch his show every single night. And normally when I – I got a confession to make. Normally when I watch those kind of shows, the late-night shows, I tend to zone out a bit when the musical guest comes on. 
You know, sometimes I even turn the channel because I, mm-hmm. I don't like them. Right. But anyway, back in 1994, I remember I was watching Late Night with Conan O'Brien and the musical guest was announced. And I was about to change the channel because I'd never heard of this person. I didn't know who he was. And then and this then like he comes out on stage and he's this big 300 pound guy with shades and a toque. He looks like a gangster. Right. Mm-hmm. I had no idea what to expect from this guy. And then he started playing the guitar and I was absolutely blown away his name was papa chubby and I, I don't know what it is about me picking these artists with you know innuendos in their names this and you know the deep purple song but anyway that's neither here nor there he did a song and it was called sweet goddess of love and beer crazy bluesy like i mean incredible incredible guitar playing and the whole thing is just made up of bluesy notes and scales and bends and the guitar solo is one of my favorites of all time so yancey when you get a chance and anyone else listening that you're like you know sweet goddess of love and beer by papa chubby what the hell is that go look it up on youtube <laughs> look up papa chubby watch him playing this song now, just be careful yancey because if you go to google i think and if you type in pop a chubby you might find something else entirely oh my 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 so, <laughs> so be careful but if you if you look it up on youtube it is unbelievably bluesy and like the guitar playing is off the charts. So good. Goes back to what I said before. It's not what you play. It's how you play it. You know, for me, guitar guitar solos don't have to be a million miles an hour. They don't have to be eruption with two hand tapping and just notes flying at you a million miles an hour. They've got to come from somewhere. And this song blows me away. It's my number three. So number two, what do you got? That is uh, one of the more obscure picks yeah. you've ever brought to the show. It um, is weird. Yeah. I'm looking him up now. He obviously he does have some YouTube videos and he does have a Spotify page and he has 23,000 monthly followers. So pretty obscure. But um, he does have quite the discography online, though, like several, several albums. So mm-hmm. every single one of them shows him basically like either hoisting a guitar over his head or like stroking his guitar or so. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm kind of intrigued. I'll bookmark this for later. I've yeah, literally never Sweet goddess of love and beer. I'm telling you, it's so good, man. So good. very interesting. Yep. Okay, so uh, for number two, this is kind of an uh, off-the-wall pick. I think I mentioned this before whenever um, Prince passed away and again whenever Tom Petty did. Uh, so this is actually a live recording. It's a cover of While My Guitar Gently Weeps. Ooh. Um, of course, this was by George Harrison originally, and I can't even remember his name. What was it? George Harrison and uh, – what was the name of his band, Chris? Uh, oh, what were they called? I think they were called the, the, the Beatles or something. I can't remember. No, 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 not the Beatles. <laughs> but anyways, um, that's who he did. The, he did. He did that with the Beatles. What are you talking about? I thought it was independent of them. Oh I thought that was God, whenever he broke. I'm off. telling you, one of these days I'm coming through this microphone. I'm just going to strangle you. Chris, listen, it's impossible to know everything about everything. Okay? It's the Beatles for crying out loud. I don't expect <laughs> you to know anything from Gen X or anything. But when it comes to the Beatles, damn it. That's where I okay. draw the line. Actually, that's fair. OK, so. Um, the the song that's in that I'm talking about obviously was a cover of While My Guitar Gently Weeps. It was performed in March 15 of 2004. Um, it was whenever George Harrison was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. He was already dead, so it was a, a posthumous induction, which is kind of sad. Um, you always hope that like the the legends kind of get their due whenever they're alive, and it's it's especially sad whenever they don't get any love or any at you know adoration whenever they are alive, and it's all you know after they'd passed. But um, so this performance, it was. Uh, it had Tom Petty on stage. It had uh, two other members of the Heartbreakers. It had Jeff Lynn from, you know, ELO fame, uh, Steve Winwood, Danny Harrison, which was George's son, and Prince himself was also there. Um, it is a beautiful, haunting, insanely just 
fantastic rendition of while my guitar gently weeps it's a full band obviously you know you have the keys drums uh auxiliary percussion multiple guitars multiple bass multiple acoustic guitars um and it's just a powerful driving beautiful rendition of while my guitar gently weeps end to end but what makes this the (laughs) the second in my opinion the second greatest guitar solo of all time is of course prince who is i don't know if you knew this or not chris but i'm i'm a fan Oh, yes, you I'm are. very much. I'm very much into the Prince aesthetic. Uh, so Prince uh, does not do a lot of um, outside stuff as far as um, going on people's shows. He's always he was always like super self-conscious and self-aware about um, how his image was going to be used, uh, who was going to own the rights to this performance or that performance. He would cancel or he would he wouldn't go to you know big acts or performances or award shows just because he wanted to always be in control of the narrative in his show. So if he didn't have things his way, Prince wouldn't show up. Just matter of factly, um, so it, it was a little surprising that he actually decided that he would do this. And there's a, a really, really good uh, New York Times article that came out about this after Prince had died, talking about how Tom Petty and Jeff Lynne and all of these guys were really concerned that Prince wasn't going to show up. He actually did show up, but um, he showed up to the rehearsal the night before and basically left after like 15, 20 minutes. And they had no idea what they were going to do. Um, they were actually preparing, you know, just to have uh, somebody else cover in and just. They're going to prepare as if Prince was not going to be there. Of course, he does show up and he's wearing like a red little like top hat. He's wearing like, you know, just a really nice like black suit, you know, with like the red, you know, trimmed in red. And he absolutely shreds it like nobody's business. I mean, from top to bottom, it it, it covered every every single micro inch of his guitar. I mean, the most perfect. I don't know if you've listened to it, Chris. I I wish we could link it in the show somehow and just have them like and just play it out for everybody to listen to this. But what he was able to do with this, I, I feel like the best covers in the world are songs where they take something that is, um, you know, the more famous a song is, the more difficult it is to cover it. Right. Because there is an expectation that comes with a song. People want to hear a song the way that it is performed, the way that they've heard on the album, you know, especially like a super popular song like that. They, they want to hear the way that they know it. Um, so it's, it's it's especially challenging to make something that is original, that is an homage to the original, but you're also bringing something new to the table, and Prince does that with this. It is the most beautiful, just technically sound guitar solo. He has so much control and such speed and, and just precision with every single note that he strikes. Um, there's even a little bit of showmanship in the, in the solo as well. Like halfway through it, as he's, you know, just making his guitar absolutely weep, you know, which is kind of the point for this song. You know, he does the whole where he leans back and he acts like he's going to fall. And then like a stage hand basically like catches him by, you know, and, and pushes him back up on the stage while he's still playing. You know, there's, he's whipping his arms. He's, you know, there's slides. There's all kinds of, you know, just chromatical scales going up and down. Just, uh, I'm not describing it good enough, Chris. I can't describe it like you describe it because I'm not a guitar player. But top to bottom, it's just such an amazing cover. I cannot stress this enough. I wanted to make it my number one, but I felt like that was a little dishonest doing a cover with like, you know, a dozen of like the most, you know, noteworthy musicians of the time. <laughs> but it is absolutely incredible. I'm rambling, but please give it a listen if you guys haven't. It's While My Guitar Gently Weeps. It is the live version with Prince, Tom Petty, Steve Winwood, and Jeff Lynn from the Rock and Roll Induction Ceremony. Man, those are like some serious guitar, you know, heavyweights doing that. I so I definitely I have to so check that out. About it, Chris. I've oh, listened man. to it over and over and over. I cannot stress this enough. I'm like really excited about this. I want you guys to listen to it. Oh, for sure. Now, on a previous show, I had mentioned that my wife took me to go. She said to me once 
time, what what concert do you want to go see? Who would you like to go see? And I said, I'd want to go see Rick Emmett. So she took me to go see Rick Emmett not that long ago. And just going back to what I said before, it's not what you play, it's how you play it. This really, really kind of punched up for me because when we went to see Rick Emmett, he's he's now got a new band. They're called Resolution 9. And so there's him and his guitar player. He's got another guitar player with him. And the guy's name was, I believe it was Dave Dunlop, if I remember correctly. Anyway, they're, they come, both come out on stage and they, they're they doing um, a triumph song called Somebody's Out There. And it's an easy seven notes. You know, it's a na-na-na-na-na-na-na. Very, very easy. And Dave Dunlop plays these notes. And then Rick Emmett plays the exact same notes. And it just sounds totally different. And I know it sounds crazy. They're both playing the exact same thing. But when Rick Emmett plays it, it just, oh, you just get a chill. Like he's just, there's something about him. He's so good. But anyway, I'm going to go back in time to 1984, back when I was 14 years old. And the very first concert that I ever went to was Triumph. And so I went there, I went to see Triumph. They were doing their Thunder 7 tour and they had Helix open up for them. So it was like these two Canadian bands. But anyway, I'm in the middle of watching Triumph and I'm just like blown away. I loved them when I was a teenager. I thought they were great. And in the middle of their set, they start doing Rock and Roll Machine. Okay, and it's it's a song that they did, came out with. It was from their second album back in like 1977. And they start playing Rock and Roll Machine. And in the middle of it, there's this guitar, long guitar solo. Okay, but it's the live version. So it just killed me because in the middle of this song, he starts going into this crazy guitar solo and the other guys get up. So it's a three, it's a power trio, right? So it's just him mm-hmm. and it's, it's Gilmore and, uh, and Mike Levine, Mike Levine and Gilmore get up and they just walk off the stage and they just leave Rick Emmett out there. And he just does like a 15 minute guitar solo. And like, I, and I mean, it's like part of me, part of me is going like, this is incredibly self-indulgent. You know what I mean? Like, it's just crazy. That, but that's classic rock, though. That's what I mentioned. That that's what it was. Like, it is, it's it is indulgent and it's very like ego driven. But but that's what made it so powerful. It's like a it's just like a. I don't know. It's like a musical fu, basically. Like, look what I've got, kind of thing. But exactly, what were you saying? yeah, exactly. And and so in this case, he does like this fifteen minute guitar solo in the middle of this. And then what they did was right after the right after eighty four, um, shortly after that, I think, I think it was maybe the next year, maybe eighty five, eighty six. They came out with a live album. And it was called Stages, and it was all live versions of their most popular songs, including Rock and Roll Machine with this fifteen minute guitar solo in it. And so. Everybody that is a guitar player has stories of when they were a teenager, when they would spend like hours in their room, you know, trying to learn how to play, you know, Eruption was usually the big one, right? Most people would just spend hours trying to learn how to play Eruption over and over again, practicing it. For me, it was a guitar solo for Rock and Roll Machine. I was just obsessed with it like because he's all over the place. He's playing like classical music and he's slowing it down and then getting fast again and doing all these crazy things in it. And all of it is just spot on musically perfect like rick Emmett is unbelievable he's one of the greatest guitar players that has ever lived i he's always been one of my favorite guitar players i was lucky enough to meet him years later when i was an actor in toronto got a chance to meet him backstage it was just wonderful and he's just always been an influence because nobody plays guitar like rick Emmett does but it's this 15 minute guitar solo in rock and roll machine i tell you that makes my number two on my list so on to your number one. It. What do you got? Just just as a quick aside. So yes. you, you you mentioned Emmett. Who are like just give me like a handful. Who are like your favorite guitarists? Well, like I said, I think Jimi Hendrix is probably the greatest guitar player that ever lived. Mm-hmm. Um I think Rick Emmett is right up there. Um I also think I mentioned at the top of the show Randy Rhodes. So Randy Rhodes played with uh, Ozzy Osbourne. He didn't play very long. He only did two albums with him, but there was something about um about him that was just unbelievably phenomenal. And um I think I think Jimmy Page 
is right up there as well because I think some of the things that Jimmy Page did were so different. You know, like he he didn't do things the way you're supposed to do it. Like he, his normal, it it felt like at times in some of um, Zeppelin's songs, the band was going one way and he was going another way. Mm-hmm. Even even with his his time signature didn't seem to be on. He was on the offbeat and stuff. He was oh he was outstanding. Chris, the, outstanding. The, the song Cashmere is mm-hmm. literally two different time signatures between yeah. like the, the rhythm section and the guitarist. Perfect it's, example. Perfect example. Yeah. Cashmere is one that stands out for that. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, just oh, so he was incredible. But I would say probably right at the top. You know, I'd say and Eddie Van Halen. The other thing with Eddie Van Halen is I've never seen anybody play a guitar and make it look so effortless in my life as Eddie Van Halen. Mm-hmm. And Eddie Van Halen just looks like he's not even trying. And it, it just, it just flows out of him. Like it's just, it's incredible to watch him. And uh, so those would be some of my, my best ones of all time, but Rick Emmett is real close. I like it. So before I get to my number one, I'm yes. going to rattle off some honorable mentions very quickly. Sure. Just for if people are listening, they can, it, this can kind of point you in the right direction and give you some really, really good guitar music songs. I know I've been rambling a lot tonight, um, but I'm just going it, to it's a little long, but I'm just going to list them off very, very quickly. Chris, if you want to jump in afterwards and, and list yours, you could do as well. But um, so honorable mentions, we mentioned this on the last show. Sultans of Swing by Dire Straits. Essential. Floods by Pantera. Like, 75% of the songs by Van Halen. I know you just mentioned it, but Eruption is absolutely incredible. Hoffer Teacher is absolutely incredible. Um, Eddie Van Halen's really, really good. I know it's 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 a chalk pick to say that, but it, it's for a reason. Eddie Van Halen is fantastic. Um, Let It Rain and Crossroads by Eric Clapton. Stairway to Heaven by Led Zeppelin. Actually, most Led Zeppelin songs, to be honest with you. Um, Bad Out of Hell by Meatloaf. I know it's a little corny now looking back, but I really love Meatloaf. And I don't care. Uh, Mastodon, The Czar, and Oblivion. Mastodon is one of my favorite bands, Chris. I don't. I know you're probably not familiar with them. They're they're a newer hard rock band, but they're absolutely fantastic. Um, one by Metallica, In Your Face by Children of Bodom. Kafo by Animals as Leaders. That's a newer song. Uh, System of a Down, uh, Lonely Day, absolutely fantastic. Uh, Anything by Saint Vincent, Little Red Corvette by Prince. Let's Go Crazy by Prince. Uh, now I'm here and Fat Bottom Girls, and also We Will Rock You by Queen. Brian May, um, not getting any love on the show and he needs to because he's absolutely fantastic yes he um is. six sad little world by incubus paranoid android by okay computer uh i think that's it i gave you enough I, I literally have like two whole pages of honorable mentions i i did more research for this show chris than i've ever done before just because i wanted to list so many and it's so hard to pare it down to five but um i really like music and i think that's i, I hope that's what you guys pull from this <laughs> uh, my number one though is a it's an easy chalk pick um you guys should have known this going into it it's gonna be purple rain for me um obviously purple rain comes from the the album of the same name also in 1984 chris um i've touched on it in length i just think from an emotive standpoint it is it is it is designedly ambiguous to where you can make purple rain be whatever you want it to be about it's incredibly emotional and it just works um you mentioned Jimi hendrix being you know quite possibly the greatest guitar player of all time um i i've listened to a lot of hendrix songs i think that is a very very accurate and you know deserved statement um just because he did die when he was 27 we don't have quite the body of work that we do have with a prince um i think they're both easily on the mount rushmore though and um I, I would put Prince up there just as like the greatest guitarist of all time. Him and Hendrix just maybe one A or one B, but Purple Rain is a fantastic song. Uh, the guitar solo I mentioned earlier, um, like other songs being covered, it's covered a lot, and and it and it really honestly does deserve it. It's a fantastic song. If I could play guitar, the first song I would play end to end would be Purple Rain, and uh, I don't know, I don't know what else to say about it. It's just 
the whole album is fantastic. Prince is fantastic. Um, I'm still upset that he's gone. And um, one good thing that has happened with his passing is we're starting to see uh, a lot of new music come out from him that previously was like bolted where he wouldn't let us have access to it. Like, you know, um, just all kinds of songs and, and music videos that had never seen the light of day. Like they're starting to come up semi-regularly on YouTube and stuff. And it just makes me really happy. But um, Purple Rain by Prince is my number one. Chris, do you have any more honorable mentions you want to throw out there? I know you probably could name two or three hundred. Oh, yeah, I could probably list a whole bunch more. I, I had a couple ones that I think are important, you know, so I'll move right on to my number one. This one's going to surprise you, Yancey, and may even surprise our listeners as well. This is a very interesting show that we're doing here. I'd like to go back in time a little bit for when I was a teenager again. And when I was a teenager, I used to like a lot of heavy metal and hard rock. I like stuff with guitar in it. I was Same. a guitar player for Same. crying out loud, right? So I used to wear those black rock t-shirts, you know, with the white sleeves yancy you you probably have no idea what i'm talking about but gen xers certainly do but anyway um i loved hard rock so as a result it wasn't really cool you know what i mean quote unquote cool for me to like more mainstream music okay and you mentioned prince and i remember when prince came out and got real popular with purple rain as you mentioned he wasn't considered Mm -hmm. you know quote unquote cool by those people that liked heavy metal and stuff like that. Well, those people can die, to be honest with you. Yep. And, <laughs> but I will I will never forget the first time that I heard the song Let's Go Crazy. The, the song starts out, and it's got this organ playing, as you know, and he's, like, speaking words over it. And then the song just explodes, right? And it's mm-hmm. literally one of the best songs ever. And then just when you're about exhausted from the energy of this whole song, and it's at the end of the song, Prince, totally unexpectedly, breaks into this huge sustained note that he bends and he holds, right? And then he just starts shredding this unreal guitar solo out of nowhere. It's mm-hmm. got distortion. He's using a wah pedal. And the whole thing is just unreal. It is, I believe, the greatest guitar solo I've ever heard. The outro to Let's Go Crazy. It's not even a traditional guitar solo because, like I say, it comes at the end of the song, but I don't care. It is my number one. I absolutely love it. There's an urban legend. You mentioned about Prince. There was an urban legend about mm-hmm. him with Eric Clapton. When, when Eric Clapton once was asked what it felt like to be the greatest guitar player of all time, and he uh, supposedly answered, I don't know. Go ask Prince. And yep. it's not true. It's not a true story. But the fact that the... That, I that, want it to be, though. God, I know. Me. The fact that that urban, <laughs> urban legend exists, I think, Yancey, is reflective of just how good Prince was as a guitar player and just how revered he was by fans and other musicians alike so this is you know surprising maybe to some people but the outro to let's go crazy by prince is my favorite guitar solo of all time there you go chris i I know every single episode (laughs) at one point you you wish you could reach through the computer screen and and actually physically strangle me yeah pretty much i I have i have the opposite reaction now to where i'm so happy that you said that like I'm, i'm serious like i i've endeared myself to you so much now like i'm it, it just brings tears to my eyes, really. Oh, like, that's so nice. I won't go through here and strangle you then. All right. You did good, Chris. You oh, did good. boy. I made you proud. Okay. Time now to have some fun with Yancey. Okay, Yancey, since you like music so much and, you know, you love guitar solos and all that kind of thing, I thought I would throw some guitar solo trivia at you. So are you ready, my friend? I'm ready. Let's do it. Okay. That, and uh, we're going to go to, we'll go to 2015. I'm going to keep it right in your wheelhouse. Okay. Yeah. So in 2015, Rolling Stone magazine comprised their list of the most influential guitar players of all time. Yancey, who's the guitarist that topped their list? I believe it was Prince. It was not. It was Jimi Hendrix, believe it or not. 
Jimi Hendrix. Oh. Okay. 1982. Going back in time. 1982. Michael Jackson released, obviously, one of the most iconic albums of all time with Thriller, right? And one mm-hmm. of the many songs on there was Beat It. Yancey, can you name the guitar player that provided the solo for Michael Jackson's Beat It? Mm, was it Tommy? Who the hell's Tommy? Don't worry about it. <laughs> it was Eddie Van. <laughs> it was Eddie Van Halen. It was, was it really Van it Halen? Was Eddie Van Halen. Yes. I really should know that, huh? Speaking of Eddie Van Halen, Yancey, he wasn't always a guitar player. You might not know. When he was a boy, he actually played a different instrument altogether and was going to start a band. Yancey, what instrument did Eddie Van Halen originally start out playing? Hmm. Was it? I mean, I basically have two choices, right? It wasn't the wooden xylophone. That was <laughs> um, that was your instrument. I'm gonna say, well, it's it's bass guitar, it's drums. I'll say drums. Yes, you are correct. It was drums, and the thing was, he found out that his brother was better at him than playing the drums, so he switched over to guitar. It worked out good for both of them, right? So there you go. Yeah, I, I think that worked out in the long run. All right, here's one for you. It's a it's a Gen X thing, but you totally know this one. I know that you know. In the movie Back to the Future, Yancey, Michael, which J- I have not seen. Are you f-ing kidding me? Oh, <laughs> really? <laughs> God, I'm not, I'm going through the microphone again. That lasted about two minutes, and I'm ready to go through the microphone again. Oh, that's definitely going to be on the list for you to watch. Back to the Future, Michael J. Fox's character in it, Marty McFly. He gives an unforgettable performance on the guitar to this, mm-hmm. like, bewildered audience from 1955, right? He gets in front of the stage and starts playing this guitar solo. Yancey, I was going to ask if you could name the iconic song that Marty McFly played the memorable guitar solo in. But obviously you don't know because you've never seen it, right? Correct. I have not seen the movie. It's it's Johnny Be Good. He gets on stage and they're playing Johnny Be Good because it's a popular song at the time. And he just starts shredding this guitar solo and people are just freaking out because they never heard anything like it before. Uh, okay. Uh, I'm going to go with, oh, this is one of my favorite iconic punk rock band. Oh, man. So this punk rock band, kind of punk slash rock band, they became very famous in the 70s. And they were known for their incredibly short songs. Their songs averaged about two minutes in length because they never played guitar solos in their songs. Yancey, can you name the band whose guitar solo-less songs included Somebody Put Something in My Drink, I Want to Be Your Boyfriend, and Rock and Roll Radio? Name the band. <laughs> um, man, I don't know. I should know, but I don't. Sheena is a punk rocker. Rockaway Beach. Uh, Rock and roll high school. I want to be sedated. No. Oh, um, oh, God, this is going to kill me. It's the Ramones. Jeez, I'm coming through this microphone, I tell you. Okay, Yancey, the Beatles. You mentioned this before, right? God, that was bad. That the, one hurts. Oh, it should. It hurts me. I'm going to get it for that. It, point, it, it, I'm, I'm, I'm bruising it. on the inside over here. Okay, so Yancey, the Beatles. We mentioned them, right? Greatest band ever. Greatest band ever graced the earth, right? They were all Mm -hmm. tremendous, tremendous musicians. So on their song, While My Guitar Gently Weeps, which you've already mentioned on the show, Mm -hmm. George Harrison, believe it or not, did not play lead guitar for the solo. Can you name who did? Hmm. If it's Ringo, I'm going to be really upset. (laughs) It's not Ringo. No, it was Eric Clapton. 
Eric Clapton. Was it really? Yes, Eric Clapton. Funny you mentioned Ringo, because I remember there's a story once when somebody asked John Lennon. They said, John, is Ringo the best drummer in rock and roll? And John Lennon's answer was, he's not the best drummer in the Beatles. which i thought was always really really funny so (laughs) anyway yeah anyway hey listen if you would like to reach out to us and talk to us you can find us on twitter at yancey eaton or at c mcbrien you can always go to the the pod or over to our podcast website popgoesyourworld.com all of our information is there yancey any closing thoughts on the guitar solo show um I I'm like I said I really appreciate you putting Prince at number one. I love the song. I love the guitar. So I love that it is at the very end, like you said. Um, I it's just an interesting list. I'm gonna have to do some homework. I've never heard of you know two of the the five that you mentioned, but uh, this was a lot of fun. And I, I hopefully we'll do some more music centric ones like this, just because this is so in my wheelhouse. I could literally do a three hour show about this. So thank you. You know, you know what? Really nice suggestion. No problem. And you know what else is in your wheelhouse is watching millennial movies. So it's the time of the show now where you get to nominate a film for me to watch from your generation. And I'm going to come back next week and we're going to talk about that movie. So what movie would you like me to watch? Go. Do you guys do you guys see the segue that Chris just dropped? You see how polished he is in radio? That's so impressive. <laughs> <Whatever>. <laughs> it's just smooth, man. You're just so smooth. Um, we're gonna watch a movie. I've mm-hmm. I've recommended a animated kids movie, quote unquote kids movie before in The Lion King. Um, I'm going to give you another one, which is one of my absolute favorite movies of all time, mm-hmm. and it's Wally. I think you've seen oh, it. I no, hope I haven't. Seen it. Nope. Wally is absolutely fantastic, and I I'm about ninety percent sure you're at you're you're going to completely love this film. So Wally. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, you know, because I've I've loved all your movies so far, so I'm sure that'll. But go I'm telling really... you, but this one I know you're gonna like. <laughs> okay, well we'll see. So I mean, it's an animated kids film. Well, I guess we'll have to wait and see. So I will watch Wally. We will come back next week. We will review the film, and hopefully, I won't go through the microphone and want to strangle you. I only wanted to go through the microphone like three times this week. Not bad. It's a record. No, you're, we're, we're, we're endearing ourselves. We're growing. Yes, we are. We're coming closer. <laughs> it's so nice. <laughs> so anyway, on behalf of Ian Seaton, this is Chris McBrien saying thanks for listening to Pop Goes Your World, the pop culture podcast for the generations. Thank you for listening to the Pop Goes Your World podcast. Continue the conversation on Twitter at C. McBrien or at Yancey Eaton. Please consider leaving a review for the podcast on iTunes or wherever you download and listen to the show. 